This is Unfiltered, episode 254 for October 12th, 2017. It's good Clinton broke her silence. Of course, it is too bad she was one of the last to do so. After all, she wrote this in her book about her loss to Donald Trump, quote, that doesn't mean I'll ever run for office again. It does mean I will speak out of the causes I care about. One of her biggest, of course, is women's issues. Welcome to Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's saving you from all of that news you really shouldn't be watching. My name is Chris. Mr. Chase is out this week, dealing with a passing in the family, so our thoughts are with him. I apologize if you're expecting a show last week, or I'm sorry, yesterday, for this week. I, I got struck with some sort of weaponized food poisoning. You know, it's, I think that must have been what happened. Perhaps it was from the deep state engineered to take the Unfiltered show off the air. But I won't allow it, my friends. I've drugged myself out of bed, I've had my first solid food in 24 hours, and I think I'm at least at a good solid 30% capacity, which means we're going to do a show. Now, it took me until uh, the overtime to realize I had the wrong banner up, so that, when you get to the overtime, you might, uh, don't, just don't say anything. We just won't say anything. Shh, we won't say anything. But the show, the show had to go on, because we have much to talk about. As always, we have some interesting cyber stuff. Uh, Equifax, as you know. Big old breach there, and you also probably know it's gotten worse. Cover a little bit of that. Of course, we have some Russia news. Then we're going to talk about Harvey Weinstein a little bit and how that relates to Hillary Clinton and how this situation is making Hillary relevant again. Then we'll discuss the wildfires, end it on a high note, and then shift over into a special overtime. Why is it special? Because they're all special. Just like Equifax is so special. Equifax is one of those brands that may well go down in infamy. The company now saying the driver's license data for nearly 11 million Americans was compromised in that data breach, which was announced last month, but which took place six months before that, uh, while the company sat on the information that they had been the victim of a cyber attack revealing the data of 143 million people. Yep, and 11 million of their licenses. Hoo-wee! Just gets better and better, because now that's really... So, boy, if they can match up uh, driver's licenses with all the other information, those are going to be the high-valuable profiles. Those are going to be the ones that sell for the most money online. Maybe you can be one of them, and then you're not going to make any of that money, but at least you'll feel good for being a high-priced commodity. Also, uh, when it comes to cyber, everybody knows that North Korea's got some of the best cyber. Great cyber. Tonight, documents obtained exclusively by NBC News show Kim Jong-un has targeted the U.S. power grid with cyber attacks against multiple electric companies, oh! trying to break in with emails containing malware, according to a private report by the cybersecurity firm FireEye. They mm. have the capability not only to infiltrate... Yeah, you remember FireEye, right? Don't you? Don't you? FireEye. The ones that also certified the DNC was hacked by Russia. FireEye, now the uh, number one go-to when you want cyber investigations. FireEye. FireEye. They have the capability not only to infiltrate, but potentially to de destroy data and systems. <gasps> North Korea already attacked Sony three years ago. Uh, that was an inside job. Revenge for a Hollywood movie mocking Kim Jong-un. Yeah, that's bullshit. 
that was called marketing. Now experts warn they are developing the same techniques to attack broad sectors of the U.S. economy. One of the things that worries us a great deal is the ability of the North Koreans to strike here in the heartland, particularly at the financial sector. Now, this is the Pepsi of your cybersecurity firms. That was somebody from CrowdStrike, the other go-to. This is the co-founder, Dimitri. Koreans to strike here in the heartland, particularly at the financial sector. Intelligence officials tell NBC News it was North Korea that pulled off a brazen cyber heist of the Central Bank of Bangladesh, that country's Federal Reserve, netting Kim Jong-un $81 million. This defector tells NBC News the regime has embedded 6,000 cyber warriors in China, South Korea, and other neighboring countries. Cyber warriors embedded, you guys. We have, we now have cyber spies among us. FireEye tells NBC News it has documented cyber attacks against South Korea's military, its power plants, even aviation, all appearing to come from North Korea. Now new fears those North Korean hackers could soon target the U.S. with a devastating attack. I What I appreciate the most about uh, these stories is how they fail to disclose the the Vault 7 revelations just from, what, what has it even been, two months? Can somebody in the Discord room remind me how long ago the Vault 7 releases came out where they clearly documented that the CIA could make their malware appear to be from any nation and they had the ability to camouflage their IPs and pose as, as uh, foreign governments? When was that, two months ago? But uh, your NBC News there... National Broadcast Network there can't be uh, bothered to remember that little detail and just remind you that these very intelligence officials that they are quoting without attributing are also the ones that are developing weapons to make it look like foreign governments have been attacking when it's them. But, you know, let's worry more about elite cyber spies, you guys. This channel has also been in the spotlight over alleged Russian meddling. Oh, yes. <laughs> you were waiting for this, right? I mean, when, what took him so long? So RT has been the source of a lot of beatings recently. And it's just mostly been words, though. Oh, RT's this, RT's that, of course. Nobody talks about the fact that they have horrible ratings and that basically no major cable network covers them. Um, but so it seemed like that's where they were going to leave it. Because really, in the grand scheme of things, RT is nothing. Nothing. They're probably less effective than $100,000 worth of Facebook ads. So I thought, okay, it'll just sit there, and we won't have to worry about it. Because, you know, it's good to hear from RT from time to time. I like that, just like I like hearing from Fox and CNN and MSNBC and NPR and all these other outlets that we constantly monitor. I mean, geez, I should count them, but it's got to be over 40. Um, And so they're one of them because that's the whole spectrum we analyze. We analyze the whole spectrum. And so I thought that's what this whole country was about. But, uh, you know, free speech and whatnot. But no, no, not when you're a foreign agent. But it turns out once you become a foreign agent, the whole game changes for you and the amount of information you have to give away. Russian meddling facing the prospect of being registered as a foreign agent in the United States. Uh Oh, but now Russian officials say they are mulling countermeasures. Oh, RT's Ilya Petrenka joined my colleague Neil Harvey to explain more. Basically, the countermeasures is you screw our guys in the U.S. and we'll screw your guys in Russia. And uh, they have several, the U.S. has several, like, uh, basically RT-type um, outlets that broadcast in Europe and Russia. And uh, so Russia just said, we'll go after them. Organizations will have to register as foreign agents. So here's the bit, I think, where they go into what happens if you register as a foreign agent. I'm guessing at this point, 
that this might be retaliation? Looks like it is retaliation. As you may well remember, the American Justice Department just recently got in touch with RT America's service supplier, requiring it to register in the U.S. as a foreign agent based on a law that dates back to ages ago. RT America, for instance, would have to provide the personal details of the staff or share and reveal the transcripts of interviews. And our editor-in-chief once again stresses that the amount of unwanted attention in the U.S. to our network is just enormous. The, uh, uh, the, I don't know if you caught that there, but they would have to give like revealing information about their hosts, their guests, transcripts of interviews. This is uh, their uh, editor-in-chief, um, I don't think, in the U.S.? Until no. recently, no active measures except those targeting our reputation have been taken against us in the U.S. specifically. Nowhere else have we ever experienced the kind of pressure that we experience today in the U.S. It seemed like this shoe was eventually going to drop. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but <laughs> like, who didn't see that one coming? You know, that seems like that was what took him so long. What took him so long? So speaking of what took him so long. Boy, isn't that the go to phrase now? What took Donald Trump so long to uh, what's the right word? Not uh, denounce. Yeah, denounce probably the right word. What took Donald Trump so long? To denounce the white supremacist. What took um, so-and-so so long? That this, like, everybody's on a timer now. And uh, that was one of the interesting things about this whole Harvey Weinstein scandal. And so uh, Cucker Tuckerson has some of the best concise coverage. So we'll play a little bit of his coverage to bring everybody up on a speed right here at the very top. Go Cucker! Cucker Tuckerson to the body! Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. The scandal swirling around Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein has moved from the tabloids to the political pages tonight, and for good reason. There's no debate about Weinstein's behavior, no gray areas or room for conflicting interpretations. According to a new account in The New Yorker magazine, at least 13 separate women claim that Weinstein sexually assaulted or harassed them between 1990 and 2015. Four say he masturbated in front of them. Three accuse him of rape. Weinstein hasn't denied any of it. Indeed, The New Yorker has released tape in which he apparently confesses. Now, this is a known secret in Hollywood. This guy, um, there are, if you go back to 30 Rock, there's clips of them making jokes about it. Uh, if you go to some award shows, there's jokes about it. Um, this is one of the gross things about people in power is what this is. And I want you to hear this audio because it gives you insight into how this works. Imagine this model who happened to be wearing a wire, walks up to his hotel room, knocks on the door, he opens up the door. And he's in his robe trying to convince her to come in. And you can hear how he pressures her. And it's, I have a much longer version in the supporter sync, but I think this clip of it is sufficient. I'm telling you right now. What do we have to do here? Nothing. I'm going to take a shower. You sit there and have a drink. Water. Don't drink. Can I stay water. on the bar? No. You must come here now. No. Please. No, I don't want to. I'm not doing anything with you. I'm not embarrassing me. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. No, yesterday was a kind of aggressive for me. I, I need to know a person to I be touched. I won't touch. do a thing. I don't Everything, please. I swear I won't. Just sit with me. Don't embarrass me in the hotel. I'm here all the time. I'm feeling very uncomfortable right now. Please come in now and one minute. And if you want to leave, when the guy comes with my jacket, you can Why yesterday you touched my wrist? Please, I'm sorry. Just come on. I'm used to that. 
I'm used to that, he says. She says, why did you touch my breast? He says, oh, please, just come right in. I'm used to that. I'm used to that. Are you used to that? Yes, come in. Yeah, yeah, come on in. He had a thing for showering in front of uh, these uh, models and actresses. That was one of his things. He's a pretty gross guy. And I think the worst part is is that this isn't just Harvey. This is an issue that is rampant in a lot of different power structures, Hollywood and the political spectrum. But we're not going to talk about it until all of a sudden we talk about it. Everybody knew that it was in the industry, but we don't talk about it. Nah, that's just Harvey. Yeah, that's just Harvey. Yep, sounds like Harvey. What I found most remarkable about this incident is how it is being turned into a situation to help Hillary Clinton become more relevant. And traditionally, I, I would have thought um, that bad press would have, been, would have been a bad thing for her. But after watching these series of clips, I'm convinced it's the other way around. Let me give you an example of uh, what I'm talking about. The Clinton News Network, as they were known during the election, CNN, uh, was one of the first to come out swinging against Hillary. Let's talk about Harvey Weinstein, media uh, Hollywood mogul, as you know, um, who has now had this fall from grace for he's being accused of, you know, just the most uh, repulsive things that you can some of them that you can imagine. Um, So Hillary Clinton last night spoke for 90 minutes at an event in California. She talked about the NFL She did not mention Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein has given something like $1.5 million to to Democrats. And he's also helped bundle money for Hillary outside of that, too. Um, Over the past decade plus. Here's what Senator Tim Kaine told us this morning. Obviously, Hillary Clinton's running mate about how he thinks more people should speak out. Listen to this. I'm nobody's press secretary. I'm a U.S. senator, and I'm telling you that sexual harassment is unacceptable, and, and I, I, I really think it's low-life behaviors. Uh, Hillary Clinton speaks out against sexual harassment often, and I'm sure she'll have a word to say when the time's right for her, but I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not anybody's press secretary. Understood. I'm telling you, you what I You would recommend that she do that, that she Any leader, that. any leader should condemn this. Any leader, any leader should condemn this. So Hillary, of course is a leader, apparently, now. Hillary Clinton, who has been friends with Weinstein, benefiting from his donations to her Senate and presidential campaigns, also broke her silence today, five days after the allegations broke. Now, uh, Aaron here is rolling a series of images of Hillary and Weinstein hanging out. A spokesman releasing a statement under heavy pressure, writing, quote, I was shocked and appalled by the revelations about Harvey Weinstein. The behavior described by women coming forward cannot be tolerated. Their courage and the support of others is critical in helping stop this kind of behavior. Again, this statement came only after incredible pressure. Even last night, Clinton spoke for 90 minutes at a book signing. She was asked about sexism and misogyny. She was happy to talk about both, but she completely ignored Weinstein. So you see, you see what's happening here. This is what they are the best at. This is what the mainstream media nails. And we have to take a moment and deconstruct it to fully appreciate it. The conversation starts with a couple of fundamental assumptions that I just completely disagree with. But they've made those assumptions for the conversation. The first assumption is that Hillary Clinton matters. And that her denouncing anyone matters. See how those are are two assumptions, right? That she matters and that she must then denounce somebody. Oh, and then there's a third assumption, really, if you think about it. That she must denounce that person within a certain time frame. 
I don't like it when they do this to Donald Trump. And now they're doing it to Hillary. But they're doing it in a way that makes her contribution to the conversation relevant. They're creating interest. They're creating intrigue. And they're creating... And obviously, she's going to make a statement. Of course she is. I'm sure Tim gave her a call and said... And maybe not Hillary. Maybe he gave Uma. But he gave a call. He said, hey, I'm going on CNN. They're going to ask me about Harvey. What should I say? That happened. There's no way he was her vice presidential candidate. And then he goes on CNN. And that, that, that happened. They created demand for Hillary Clinton's opinion. They're doing it for her. And uh, she's she's not sitting still either. She's out giving public appearances where she talks about being her most frank ever. You know, don't let it be something that people sigh over or get upset about and then forget. This is endemic to our political system, to business, to the media, to every part of society. So... Don't be afraid to talk about it and take it on. Misogyny is deeper. It's a form of hatred of women. It's, a, it's an attitude of just such negative, almost virulent dislike of women. This is Clinton signaling that identity politics, at least as she's concerned, are not going away anytime soon and that she is doubling down on identity politics, and that's going to be her spot that she carves out in the Democratic Party. It's rooted in power and the power relationship, um, and there's a pattern to it. All of which, of course, was evident with Harvey Weinstein. It's good Clinton broke her silence. Of course, it is too bad she was one of the last to do so. And she, by doing so, created drama and demand. Then when she came out, she came out in the most favorable way possible. So just as I was talking about, uh, well, this will be in the overtime. In the overtime, I talk about an interview that Trump had on Hannity and the way it's lit and the way they've staged and produced it. The same thing is true for Hillary Clinton when she goes on Sarid, for whatever his name is. Fareed. I was just sick. I was shocked. I was appalled. Um, it was something that was just intolerable. So this is her safe space. Fareed Zakari. There you go. There's the name. Uh, is a longtime Clinton ally. So she takes a longtime Clinton ally and they run this segment, which is usually his own show, but they run this particular interview on Aaron's show as a response. And she comes out as strong as possible in this. Uh, and I thought that was a really interesting tactic because this was obviously a prearranged interview. That's how Fareed works. That's how he's always worked with Hillary. It's something that was probably set up days in advance. So... Aaron may have very well known that Hillary was coming. I was just sick. I was shocked. I was appalled. Um, it was something that was just intolerable in every way. And Perhaps it takes her three or four days to get herself show ready. And, you know, like so many people who have come forward and spoken out, this was a different side of a person who... Uh, I and many others had known. It's remarkable. So she condemns him and then within moments, within moments, begins digging herself out. So she says this is intolerable, uh, but that's, I never knew any of this stuff about him. Side of a person who uh, I... Not only did I know him, I'm going to play this whole thing because this is a different side. ...and spoken out. This was a different side of a person... 
I I had no idea he was a massive pervert. I know he hung out with my husband on several occasions, which you can find pictures of all over the internet. I know that to be true, and I, I but I just never suspected that he was a massive pervert. And who uh, I and many others. And it wasn't just me. Lots of people, lots of famous people, lots of really important people hung out with Harvey. It wasn't just me. Had known uh, in the past. See, the, 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 there she goes. Look at that. Look at me. Believe me. Look at me. It wasn't just me. Look at me. Oh, boy, Hillary. And now, because of this, we now have a pattern um, sort of emerging. The pattern is every time there's going to be some major crisis, the Vegas shooting and now this, we got to get Hillary's opinion. We got to get Hillary. What's Hillary say? What's Hillary's statement? Who Whose show will Hillary go on? Is she going to go on The View this time? Where's Hillary going to go? It's working. Whatever she's doing behind the scenes to get these things to happen, to get people to call her up, to get her to be part of the conversation, whatever she's doing to make that happen, it's working. Because Hillary Clinton right now is being talked about more than Bernie Sanders, more than President Obama. She's the, she's the, she's the talk of the walk right now. Everybody's talking about Hillary. And it's, it's helped because of her book. But um, with these last two major incidents, both with Weinstein and with the Vegas shooting, the media was right with, what does Hillary think? What does Hillary think? So apparently, apparently identity politics and Hillary Clinton are not going away anytime soon. And uh, Judicial Watch isn't going away anytime soon either. And they've been looking at Hillary's emails. They got a few more. A few more batches, I believe. Now, there's not nearly as much as I was hoping in there, but anyone who read some of the WikiLeaks knew that there was going to be classified information in those emails. You could just see it by looking at WikiLeaks. But, you know, Comey let her go. No classified information. She didn't have an intent. Well, it turns out when uh, Judicial Watch got their hands on the emails, they found several emails that were classified on her private system. Because as, as best I can tell, I'm going to count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15... 1820. Over 20 emails where Mrs. Clinton or Aberdeen sent or received improperly and contrary to law classified information. Emails cover Palestine discussions, discussions in the Middle East, um, Israel, uh, discussions with uh, foreign leaders at the UNESCO summit, uh, a discussion related to military contributions to the Afghanistan war effort. Uh, classified information, again, about Afghanistan, classified information about U.S.-Mexico counter-drug information. I think you get the idea. There's classified information in her emails on her private server. But somehow uh, Comey didn't see those, I guess. I guess Comey didn't see those. You know, I'm, I'm really, I was going to move on, but I'm still stuck on this uh, on this Hillary thing because the, the Discord room there just brought up a good point, and uh, that is that... Uh, why isn't Bill responsible for denouncing? Why, why don't they want to hear a, a, st- a statement from Bill Clinton about Harvey? Because they were good buddies. They hung out a lot. What about a statement from Obama? They, they got funding. Obama got funding from Harvey. Harvey helped. Um, I mean, I understand because Hillary speaks out for women's issues, but Obama and Bill were Harvey's buddies. I, it, to me, it uh, to me it seems it seems quite odd. Like that, when she is married to Bill Clinton, who has been credibly accused of sex crimes for real, 
She employed, you know, she was close to Anthony Weiner by both of their descriptions. And her friend Harvey Weinstein has been accused of rape by three people. And she says nothing for five days. Well, (laughs) that is a good point. That is, boy, she's got some bad friends, doesn't she? I hadn't really put all that together. But yeah, she's got some, oof. She's got some bad friends. Let's change gears. Let's turn about something else that's burning down to the ground, not the Democrats, uh, California, which is uh, near to us. We have some wildfires here in Washington, but nothing like what's going on right now in Cali. The wildfire disaster in Northern California is worsening, and there appears to be no end in sight. The fires are now blamed for at least 23 deaths. 285 other people are reported missing, though officials suspect many of them are just out of touch with loved ones. 3,500 homes and businesses have been destroyed. Part of the problem here when they say that 285 people are missing and they think they're just out of touch, cell towers have been burning to the ground. Or, you know, the equipment. And remarkably, I mean, I'm not I'm not Mr. Carrier here, but remarkably, the carriers have done a good job at uh, restoring service as fast as humanly possible. So I think it was something like 38 towers went down and... Uh, now, 19 of those 38 are back online, which is pretty remarkable considering not much else is working. And, of course, they're such a huge part of the infrastructure. I'm glad to see that. I would be curious to know the story behind that hustle. With loved ones, 3,500 homes and businesses have been destroyed. And think about this. There are entire towns that are under evacuation orders. Highway patrol officers went door to door in parts of Sonoma County overnight, strongly advising homeowners to leave, get out. At least 22 large fires are burning in California at this hour. Carter Evans is in Santa Rosa, where firefighters are still having trouble getting into some burned out areas. This is really remarkable. I've been getting emails from listeners that are going through this. Uh, Chase's family was impacted by this as well. And uh, listener Jeff will be driving up through this uh, very soon. Uh, I just, uh, I just, this is, this. it looks like a war zone. It's just remarkable Carter, footage. Good morning. good morning. I'm standing in front of what was once a Kmart that has been obliterated. You can just imagine how hot it was to bend those steel I-beams and take a look inside. You, that must have been jet fuel. You can see the burned out shopping carts there. This is what it looked like when it was fully engulfed. Firefighters say there was nothing they could do. Yeah, that looks pretty bad. Towering flames lit up the night sky, a warning to those still in the path of the wildfire. In parts of California, the safest place to view it is from the air. California Highway Patrol captured hillsides and towns burning to the ground. There's been fires that just blow through. This has been going on for three days with no resolution. We're just on edge right now. The fires have now burned about 265 square miles, an area half the size of Los Angeles. We are in this fight for the long haul. Uh, It's going to continue to get worse before it gets better. Really remarkable efforts. And there's some there is some websites you can Google that give you information in real time, like and the percentage of how contained it is or not. And uh, it's fascinating to watch that. And. Uh, I have friends that are firefighters, so I, I know how hard at work that is. And, you know, some of those firefighters now, their houses themselves are burning, which uh, could you imagine being out there putting out fires for other people's houses while your house is burning? <laughs> wow, just, that's just an unbelievable kind of work. That's a real that's real hero's work. So uh, let's shift gears to the high note. Now, before we get into the high note now, as Mr. Chase would like me to always remind you, the show is supported by Patreon at patreon.com slash unfiltered and supported by our audience. 
because Chase is here today, we can't reach in a sec because he isn't here. And because my brain's like slowly fading, I started the show at 30%. I feel like now it's like down to like a solid 25%. I wouldn't be able to probably read the words off the screen at this point. Uh, I have to go home and die soon. But I would appreciate any support you feel like throwing our way, patreon.com slash unfilter. We are supremely dedicated to our patrons and we try to make a show that makes them happy, not what's going to get us a bunch of clicks. So that way we consider having a rational conversation about stuff. We don't have to be clickbaity. We don't have to pay, play to people's emotions. And I think that makes this show extremely unique, and uh, we need your support to do it. Patreon.com slash unfilter. So the high note, let's discuss a little medical marijuana addiction. Now, uh, there's a lot of different debates. Most of them are all incorrect, but a lot of different debates about the, um, I guess, how addictive cannabis is, let's say. And uh, I thought uh, I'd try to get an authoritative source so we could just sort of give you something to just kind of go by. You could time link this from the YouTube video. If you're a patron, you can go get the clip. And the uh, source is legit here. Uh, This is from an addiction specialist, and I watched Mayo Clinic Radio for you. And I want you to understand how boring Mayo Clinic Radio is, okay? I watched this Welcome, everyone, to Mayo Clinic Radio. I'm Dr. Tom Shives. And I'm Tracy McRae. Medical marijuana is marijuana that is used to treat pain, nausea, and other side effects of some... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I fell asleep. Uh, anyways, you can watch the whole interview if you think I'm being a little obnoxious because it's not that bad. And it is interesting. I have it linked in the show notes, the whole thing. But the the guy here, this addiction specialist, was asked by the host as they're signing off an unscripted question. And uh, I couldn't believe it. After watching the entire interview, I managed to score something that I think is pretty interesting. So this is, I think, as authoritative it's going to get here. This is a addiction specialist researcher who's been doing a lot of research on on cannabis. And the radio host asked this Mayo Clinic guy, is pot addictive? And not be forthcoming about their use. One final question. Can you yeah. get addicted to marijuana, whether you, you're, you're using it for medical purposes or otherwise? So not even just medical. Um, and this Mayo Clinic radio uh, goes out to um, customers and, and doctors. I mean, this is this is like a little uh, like a little Jupiter Broadcasting that they have for the Mayo Clinic here. And they're actually even using my mic. Look at that. Good for them. Good for them. Great question. And I, when you look at the data, there about ten percent of chronic users have some form of dependence, and the dependence we typically define as um, having withdrawal from it when you stop it. And you see about nine to ten percent of chronic users actually having a dependence on it. Okay, so there is your answer. Nine to ten percent of chronic cannabis users actually do experience a level of withdrawal, and if you experience a level of withdrawal, then that is considered and classified as addiction. Now, what's fascinating is uh, 10% seems remarkably low to me uh, because it seems like 10% of anybody could get addicted to anything. But also what strikes me is what kind of withdrawals and how severe are they and how do they compare to other drugs? That's something I'd like more information about. You're you're using it for medical purposes or otherwise? Great question. And I... When you look at the data, there about 10% of chronic users have some form of dependence. And the dependence we typically define as um, having withdrawal from it when you stop it. And you see about 9 to 10% of chronic users actually having a dependence on it. All right. All about medical marijuana from someone who knows, internist and addiction specialist, Dr. John Ebert. Good to have you back. Thanks. So there you go. And I would be... I'd be willing to bet 
probably a side of onion rings that uh, the withdrawals that he was mentioning are not nearly as severe as those from, say, heroin or probably even alcohol. But I don't know because they don't give us that information. Now, there's a bit of a problem in Colorado, apparently. With all of this legalized weed, illegal weed is on the rise. Everyone, I'm Shannon Ogden. And I'm Andrew Hugh. Even though marijuana is legal here in Colorado, DEA agents tell Denver 7's Mark Stewart the black market is growing like weeds, Mark. Mm, now, we'd love to watch Colorado because uh, they're one of the first to recreate, to recreate, to, rec- to rectify, to reclolize. No, I got nothing. But uh, this story to me is laid full of turds, just turds everywhere. You ever go into somebody's backyard who hasn't scooped their dog's poop in a while? I have once, maybe twice been those people uh and you just step on a turd then you try to go walk somewhere else and you step on a turd god forbid you're walking with bare feet too because it's the last few damn days of summer and one of the things you want to do is just walk around in the backyard oh i'm sorry anyways um this story's full of turds and uh, i'm going to help you avoid those landmines after this guy stumbles through his introduction and and shannon just consider the numbers last year colorado marijuana sales topped one billion dollars. Yet those remote illegal grows bring in far more than that. In fact, agents can't even give a price tag. But over the last four years... Now, why do you suppose that is? Let's stop right there. Agents, by the way, are not local police, the people that are experts in the area. But agents, DEA agents, can't give a price. Agents can't even give a price tag. Maybe because it's... uh, totally made up. But over the last four years or so since legalization, they have seen about a 50% surge. Oh. This marijuana didn't come from a dispensary or even a greenhouse. It was found on two islands on the Colorado River near Grand Junction, part of a federal bus that led to about 9,000 plants. Keep this in mind, the state has a limit of just six plants for personal grow a reflection of a growing problem in our state. (laughs) Okay, well, first of all, two things. Um, This is an outdoor grow operation, so they're not selling this weed to anybody seriously. So the fact that they found a couple of grow ops outside, now all of a sudden they got themselves a growing trend. Was that because they only found one grow op last year, and so now this year they've found two? This DEA stat stuff is bullshit, because what it is is a bunch of bureaucrats in D.C. that are pressuring their local agents in Colorado to spin shit whichever way they want, and she's going to make the numbers look however she needs to make them look to make her bosses back in D.C. happy. We had an issue before. Uh, It's much more significant now. Barbara Roach is the DEA's special agent in charge for Denver. In charge of vagary. We do a whole lot more of these cases than uh, than we did five years ago. So it's more. It's a lot more. I don't know if you guys have caught all that, but it's all just a lot more. We had an issue before. So we had a problem, undefined. Uh, it's much more significant now. So it's much more now, guys. See, that thing that we had, it's much more. Barbara Roach is the DEA's special agent in charge oh, she's for Denver. special, all right. We do a whole lot more of these oh, more, cases more. Than, uh, than we did five years ago. Is that because you're trying to make a point at a federal level? Is that because your boss is Jeff Sessions? Yeah. And it just keeps increasing. The cases are sometimes busted by accident. These are pictures from a takedown in the San Isabel National Forest. More than 7,000 plants seized, worth about $7 million. It's basically uh, individuals are coming in and, and taking advantage. There's no tax base. Taking advantage. Taking advantage, guys, by, uh, by finding a piece of land and planting a weed. They're taking advantage. They're utilizing our, our natural resources. The ground, the dirt that stuff would have been growing in anyways 
These aren't victimless crimes. They impact all of us, including our environment. Yeah, guys, these plants drink water. We already have a limited amount of uh, water that we can all use, right? And it, you have the population, you have the farmers, and now you have the marijuana growers. Yeah, if only those pot plants weren't there, then there would be nothing on that land. It would be barren, and it wouldn't be consuming any moisture. Whew, those evil, evil cannabis doers. Uh, this, So that's her strong, that's what she comes out with? That's that's the counter-argument? What about the fact that it's imbalancing the new legal market? What about the What about the obvious question in the room? Why is there so much illegal weed being grown in a state that has legal weed? What's the problem? Tonight, agents tell me drug organizations come here because they think they won't be prosecuted. Many of these groups have ties to both Russia and Cuba. Oh, <laughs> got the Russia connection in there, too. Atta boy, you did your good, good homework there, little uh, Local 9 investigator. Speaking of Local 9 investigators, uh, th- they have another problem. They have a problem that perhaps these uh, Colorado growers could help. They don't have enough pot. Growing pains or persistent problems, Uh Florida's new medical marijuana system has seen an explosion in the number of patients. However, doctors and licenses from the state have been in short supply. And as investigative reporter Christopher Heath discovered, there's growing frustration as doctors say they can't get the medicine to those in pain. Well, well, I got your solution. All you need to do is go on up to Colorado and get yourself some of that illegal outdoor weed. I'm sorry, what's that? Uh, you wouldn't be caught smoking outdoor weed? Well, aren't you particular? Look at Mr. Fancy over there. Mr. Fancy. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Thank you for joining us. If you have a little more time, if you don't have to go, I encourage you to go over to our Patreon page, grab the full live stream. Whenever it's available, we post it there. If you want an even longer show, that's where you go. Now, We do have a little more coming up. The overtime is just around the corner. We will go into topics a little bit further. A couple other stories, like some more stuff on the Vegas shooting, some funny stuff with Trump, a little more Clinton stuff, Anderson Cooper trying to be a comedian. All of the above's coming up in the overtime. But if you have to go, I understand. Some of us just stick to the veggies. You're like keto with the unfiltered show. (laughs) I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Well, you can do me a favor. Go follow me on the Twitter. I feel like uh, I don't plug it enough. I plug it at the end of every show, and by then nobody's listening. At Chris L-A-S on the Twitter. And if you'd like to check out the vlog, I've posted some uh, some of my vlog adventures in New York. YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher. That's my name. Also, go follow Mr. Nunes. Still getting harassed by people that think he's Devin Nunes. It's, it's remarkable. He just had one the other day where somebody told him um, that he should resign from Congress. Apparently, my vice host, Chase Nunes is a member of Congress. Didn't even know it. Wrapped up in scandals. Perhaps there has been some sort of Russia meddling in your unfiltered show. Who could say? You can also follow the network at Jupiter Signal. Find out our live times, like when I've been horribly sick and have to uh, cancel the show at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And uh, I think that's all I got for you. Oh, join the community. Discord.me slash Jupiter Colony. All right. Thanks for being here. See you next week.
believe fake Chris. He's fake news. This is the real part of the show. This is really the overtime. Thank you to our new patrons for, quote-unquote, staying woke. Over at patreon.com slash unfiltered new subscribers this week, Bryn Paul Benjamin, K, Ben Shelby, and PCX Mac. Boom! You are our new patrons for this week. Thank you very much. I got my arse out of bed. I drug myself into the studio, and I'm making this here show for you and all of our patrons. Over at patreon.com slash unfiltered. What do you think about that? That could be my politician voice yeah if i was giving a speech if i was giving a speech that would be my voice all right well we have a lot to get into in the overtime now you guys know how i love to start out a little light with the oh nancy segment you know i've had a realization with nancy and her friends this level of the democratic party is being paid to lose i just saw a speech by joe biden that just about made me want to pull my hair out now i'm going to spare you Uh, i have it linked in the show notes i believe but i do not have it here instead let's dedicate the oh nancy segment to my well my favorite nancy clip in ages i don't know if i've had one this this good for a long time and it's 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 even after camera switching and editing tried to make it better for her cnn tried to help her look better and this is still unbelievable responsible gun owners from the hills of arizona to the Duck blinds of Minnesota, all over, say we're all law abiding. We have many guns. We have as many guns as he had, but we have uh, um, uh, background checks. So it isn't, it is, this isn't a, a frivolous thing. And many of us who um, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. are interested oh, okay. in the public Good. knowing. Whew. Now, on the money side, uh, we have a letter. We have a letter uh, that we're sending to ask. Uh, to ask what, Nancy? I mean, this is an issue you care a lot about. You're really fired up about this issue. What are you asking, Nancy? We want the, the letter came, not from us, from the board that was. Oh, so you're not sending a letter. Oh, OK. You're, so you, you just totally misstated that entire thing. Established to establish to reestablish the uh, financial integrity, economic integrity of Puerto Rico. When I say integrity, the audience just looks dumbfounded. Integrity, success. That board has just written to us, the leaders, four leaders, asking us to... Uh, uh, what is it, Nancy? What? I mean, this is a letter that's really important. What is it? Pass a law to enable the Treasury Department to lend money to Puerto Rico to get through its governance. That didn't make any sense. That was rough. That was really, really rough. Perhaps she should take some speaking cues from Hillary. That would help. You lean heavily on uh, Chardonnay. Look, I took a lot of walks in the woods. Long walks in the woods. I took long walks in the woods. <laughs> long walks in the woods. I uh, <laughs> spent a lot of time cleaning closets. Organizing my closets. I bet you did. Right? I went into a frenzy of organizing every drawer and closet in my house. And uh, playing with my dogs. I've been <laughs> playing with my dogs. I played with our dogs. And yes, I, I, I had my fair share of Chardonnay. I drank <laughs> my share of Chardonnay. I mean, uh, you know, my share of Chardonnay. And yes, I had my fair share of Chardonnay. I won't lie. Chardonnay helped a little too. There were a few other things, but this helped. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, she's got her talking points and she's good at sticking to them. This is the new Hillary. The new opened up Hillary. So you heard her mention there, uh, Nancy. You heard Nancy mention there about his guns. Well, you probably guessed it, but of course, yes, she was talking about Eric Paddock, the Vegas shooter. And uh, I'm not not Eric, sorry. Eric's his brother's name, but that's actually who I want to talk about. Eric Paddock, the brother of the Las Vegas shooter, uh, has been a really strange character in this entire thing. And I, I didn't really know how to break this down for the show. So this isn't my clip, because... I, I, I wasn't really finding the, the right flow for this guy, because he's a weirdo. This clip, though, it came up online, and I thought, you know, let's go through this, because there's some weird aspects to this family, and this guy touches on him right here. The brother of the Las Vegas shooter, Eric Paddock. Steve made my mom wealthy. Someone said that Mary that, that Steve transferred $100,000. Woo, $100,000. We're, we're wealthy people. $100,000 isn't that much money, A, and I'm sorry if that hurts people or something, but $100,000 isn't that huge amount of money. He gambled that much through a machine in hours. I mean, we're... Uh, we're rich. We're, we're rich. Hours. I mean, we're... Rich. Once again, you need to understand. That's what people need to understand, the level where some people live. I guess everybody thinks that everybody works at Taco Bell or something. Taco Bell. Everybody doesn't work at Taco Bells. If you're going to condemn Steve for being a high-stakes gambler, the hotels are not going to be very happy with you. Uh, no, actually, I was condemning Steve for laundering money through gambling, uh, for whitewashing his money. That's what I was... <laughs> not, not. If these hotels say they don't know Steve, they're lying. Steve took care of the people he loved. He helped make me and my family wealthy. I mean, he's the reason I was able to retire. Sounds like what a guilty person does. There's a story about that he's, oh, he kept his windows, his shades closed, and he didn't talk to me for the first three times he saw me walking in the neighborhood. Wow. That makes him really weird, doesn't it? Is, is he such a weirdo because he didn't have a Facebook page? and post No, 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 no. What makes him weird is that he shot from the 32nd floor of a Las Vegas hotel and had hundreds of thousands of guns, hundred thousand dollars worth of guns in his room. That's that's the part that makes it. And the fact that he made money off of video poker or at least whitewashed money and then yeah, all that stuff makes him weird. Not the stuff you're talking about. Posted 50,000 damn pictures of himself every day? Who's weird? Who on this planet do you think is grasping for this understanding more than me? Steve is a, was, was a highly intelligent, highly successful person. He could have done anything he wanted to do. And, and he did. He did. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that something? A little more on the Vegas shooter. Uh, I guess now the word's out that he was on meds. Las Vegas shooter Stephen Paddock was reportedly prescribed an anti-anxiety medication over the summer. The 64-year-old was prescribed diazepam, also known as Valium. Oh! Could it have played a role in Paddock's mindset the night he killed 59 innocent people? Nah, I mean, none of the other shooters have been on pills like that, right? None of the other mass shootings have been on Medicaid. Oh, what? I'm sorry, what was that? I'm sorry, what? All of All of them? Oh. Sorry, I was just getting a correction from the booth. Um, now, there's also uh, suspicious timing questions, which have been around really since we first covered the story last week. But 
I guess what I'm more surprised by is the fact that we still have lots of questions about the timeline. Newly released radio calls show the first effort to warn police about the gunman in the Las Vegas massacre. A hotel maintenance worker called down from the 32nd floor of Mandalay Bay after a security guard was shot. The recording raises more questions about the police response. Jamie Ucas is outside the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino. Jamie, good morning. Good morning. This has many people wondering why the shooter stopped his gunfire after a hailstorm of bullets first into the hotel hallway and then onto hundreds at a country concert below. These are some of the first gunshots fired by Stephen Paddock from inside his suite at Mandalay Bay. Call the police. Someone's firing a gun up here. Someone's firing a rifle on the 32nd floor down the hallway. Building engineer Stephen Schock used his radio to let hotel staff know about the terror unfolding on the 32nd floor. It's at the end of the hallway. Security guard Jesus Campos was already shot. I can't tell you what room. He looked like he fired down the hallway when I got close to the door. After Schock's call, it's still unclear when exactly the Mandalay Bay staff called the police. Nobody's trying to hide anything. Originally, Clark County Sheriff Joseph Lombardo had said Campos interrupted the shooter. But now, Lombardo says those first shots... They didn't just say he interrupted the shooter, they said he was a hero. ...were fired six minutes before Paddock started his rampage. Well now, what? What we want to do is draw the most accurate picture we can. And I'm telling you right now, today, that that timeline might change again. Investigators say Paddock did not have any gambling debts and his girlfriend did not worry about his mental health. But his motive is still unclear. The first lawsuit by a victim has been filed. Paige Gasper's family is suing a number of parties they believe were negligent in this shooting, including MGM, which owns Mandalay Bay. In an interview with the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Sheriff Lombardo says an autopsy has been performed on Paddock and no brain abnormalities have been found. Yeah, this really uh, is not sitting well with me. Um, I'm not one to uh, fry the bacon on the shooting ones as much as others might be, but uh, the Discord room right now is discussing what some of the current theories are. And the one that does seem to be sticking the most is that uh, he was some form of gun runner. Um, I, and uh, he was either running it for the FBI, the CIA, running guns to ISIS, to um, to perhaps a, uh, a criminal group. There's lots of different theories Um but this, as time goes on, the story has gotten stranger and stranger. And his brother Eric is uh, part of that strangeness. Now, uh, we don't really know about this attack, but I have covered many, many attacks on this show that are often conspicuously tied to the FBI. Either the FBI was playing the role of an informant, um, the FBI was aware of the shooter or the bomber, and uh, somebody else has taken notice of this as well. The FBI is being sued by a victim of an Islamic State-inspired attack in 2015 at a controversial cartoon drawing contest in Texas. The lawsuit alleges that the Bureau may have been complicit in the terrorist incident by not acting on early warning signs. You know, I also wouldn't be surprised if the incident that she's talking about has some connection to Stephen Paddock um, because he had a residence near that location. And if he was a gunrunner for ISIS and that was an ISIL-inspired attack, uh, they, those illegal guns would have had to come from somewhere, and why not a local gun runner? Miguel Francis Santiago has more. The FBI is under fire, accused of encouraging a terror attack 
The accusation comes from a security guard who has taken his case to court. Bruce Joyner was wounded in 2015 in an ISIL-inspired terrorist attack targeting the Draw Mohammed contest in Garland, Texas. So you guys remember the uh, the Garland, Texas attack, uh, which is sort of like a little infograph that they have here up on the screen. I'll play a little more of the audio uh, about this, because what's fascinating is this isn't the only case against the FBI right now, but this is the only one I have audio for. So I want to play a little more of it, but then I'll tell you about another one. Both of them had assault rifles, came around the back of the car and started shooting at the police car. So they had heavy guns. Of course, both of them were shot dead, so we'll never get any information about how they got started. Garland could have been a massive tragedy, but Mr. Joyner, along with other guards and the police, managed to stop the terrorists. Now he wants to get to the bottom of this quite shocking revelation. Bruce has been a loyal law enforcement officer for most of his life and only seeks the full truth as to the FBI's role in his near death on May the 3rd, 2015. So this guy's got reason to suspect that the FBI was involved and they've, they're using things like security footage and, and whatnot that uh, seem quite damning. I'll see if I can jump to the right spot in this rather long report. The entire report, of course, as always, in the supporter scene. Not only was the FBI aware of this attack, but likely perhaps complicit in carrying it out and even enticing the two terrorists to to carry out the attack in Garland, Texas. Some of the facts are indicating that they had an undercover agent that was trying to get in with ISIS. If the attack had been carried out successfully and people died, it was likely that this undercover agent and his superiors, his supervisors in the FBI, felt that this would prompt him up to high ranks within ISIS. He didn't have a legal duty to prevent it, but it certainly um, is negligence at the very least. Remember James Comey, the former FBI chief? Well, he didn't mention any of this during the 2015 Garland press briefing. And when asked whether counterterrorism investigators are looking for a needle in a haystack, he said the whole country is a haystack and the needles are invisible. Apparently, there was at least one needle that was visible. Yeah, they always are. Here's another needle. Uh, I'll have this linked in the show notes because, like I said, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a written post by The Intercept, so it's not, uh, it's not a clip. And it's uh, captured FBI agents pressuring someone to join them in an ISIS sting, uh, trying to get him to be essentially the terrorist, leveraging um, his girlfriend, his job, following him. And then they finally, to pressure him, after after I think more than two years, they get him on tax fraud. Typical, right? And uh, at a meeting, they basically said, we'd make this tax fraud go away if you work with us. And the guy got it on tape. So the Intercept has the tape of it. Okay. You, we went around on Sunday, February 26, 2017, okay? Questioning people, defaming my name, and making accusation and claims, ludicrous claims, representing yourselves as investigating something the HSI did. Okay, that found so-called audio and video. So in these tapes, the FBI says, you know, you work with us and, uh, well, we have a, what do they say? I think the direct quote is, uh, you have the way out. As in, you know what you need to do, just work with us. So that is linked in the show notes. It's an interesting read because I think the rails are starting to be exposed. Like the, 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 the methodology that the FBI is using to entrap these people is starting to get more and more exposed, starting to become more common. Um, at least people are talking about it more and people are reporting about it more. But it's something we've been talking about for ages now on this show. 
I'm not saying that's what Vegas is, but I'm saying that those weapons come from somewhere. Well, those weapons, the weapons that ISIS gets, the weapons that the cartels get, uh, I mean, Fast and Furious was a thing. These weapons come from somewhere. And these individuals sounded like, at least this, uh, this Vegas shooter, Paddock, Steve, sounds like uh, he had a lot of money on his hands and he needed a way to wash that money to make it untraceable. And it sounds like he had some guilt and he made his family and friends wealthy. Um, who knows? But I'll keep watching and see if we learn anything additionally interesting. But at this point, I feel like we're probably going to get the most out of what we've gotten. Now, uh, this next clip really made me smile because uh, the hatred and over at MSNBC for Donald Trump, it's it's so blinding for them that they get caught in their own hypocrisy and their own logic loops. This is a brilliant case. There's a long history of political propaganda in America. But after Donald Trump's election, people singled out fake news as false items posted online. Uh, posted online. So let's start there. Not in the mainstream media. Posted online, of course. Out fake news as false items posted online to trick people into thinking they were reading true stories from real journalists. Here are two of the most shared headlines on Facebook during the general election. Of course, they go to their absolute favorite. False stories about the Pope endorsing Trump. Man, I, I haven't heard that one for a couple of weeks. I missed that story. Then this next one they went with, I thought they were going to do like Hillary's health or something like that. And Clinton selling weapons to ISIS. But then they go with Clinton selling weapons to ISIS. But there is a paper trail for the State Department being involved in working with a foreign partner to give ISIS, there's like a paper trail. That's, that, why is that? that? That's not fake. Now, President Obama spoke out about the problem in November, weeks after the election. Oh, and then I love this. MSNBC goes to their favorite man in the whole world, Obama. Let's all go to Obama, who is, who's composed. This is the president we all miss. And, of course, this was when all of this was in the works. So Obama knew the direction this thing was going. So he, this, he, looking back in this in hindsight, you knew Obama knew where all of this was going. If generally we've got uh, elections that aren't focused on issues uh, and are full of fake news and false information. And, like hope and change. And, uh, distractions. Then... The issue is not going to be what's happening from the outside. The issue is going to be uh, what are we doing to ourselves from the inside? Oh, God, he's so he's so smart. He's so introspective. You know what? You better go uh, spread around all that classified information around the federal government, make it easier for anyone to uh, unmask people real quick, Obama. Go do that real quick before you leave. From the inside. Also after the election, real journalists started reporting on the hucksters. Real journalists. Real journalists. Impersonating journalists, finding some were doing it for money, and that fake stories boosting Trump did better than those boosting Clinton. Up on screen, they have a Facebook account uh, where they've removed the amount of followers because it's so low that it would just prove that this was not an impactful thing on the, on the, on the average Facebook viewer, I suppose. So I love it when they do this. When they white out, or they Photoshop out, obviously, the uh, Twitter followers or the Facebook page likes. You know, got to make sure that's not in there. Other fake news, of course, came from Putin's meddling, still under investigation. Ah, uh, now this is where our mainstream media, real journalists, like he said, the real journalists, you can really tell that they're dedicated to the news. You know, this man, um, he's only going to tell you the facts. He's only going to present you facts. He's not going to present you opinion because he's a real journalist. And this is the real news. Of course, came from Putin's meddling, still under investigation. And that was all right after the election. Americans were exposing fake news, and it was making Trump look bad. 
Americans were exposing fake news and was making Trump. What the what does that even mean? Does that, that mean they weren't liking the fake news? Does that mean that Americans were never deceived by the fake news in the first place and it took them to unveil it? What does that even mean? Doesn't that just undermine the entire point you just tried to make? Americans were exposing fake news and it was making Trump look bad. <clears throat> OK, well, um, <laughs> OK, keep those facts in mind. When- facts, the journalist says. You hear Trump's new false, absurd claim. False and absurd. That he invented the term fake news from this new interview. Now, what's funny about this is they hate the term fake news. They hate the term fake news. They hate it. But they hate Donald Trump more. And they're not going to let him even have an inch. The media is is really the word, I, I think one of the greatest of all terms I've, I've come up with is fake. I guess other people have used it perhaps over the years, but I've never noticed it. Now, I want to make sure since this guy is now uh, a minute into bashing Trump, uh, let's be clear about what Trump says here. Uh, so is he coming out boldly and saying that he coined the term fake news? Or does he not even say coined? In fact, does he sort of just couch it immediately after that? Because it sounds like to me, this is like one of the least bambocious. Is that even a term? I think it should be. Uh, Bregadocious? <laughs> uh, Trumpian's uh, statements ever. Like, this is just real mild. Like, you know, fake news. I came up with that kind of. I mean, I think other people were saying it. But I mean, I think, you know, I kind of popularized. That is true. He definitely, He, in fact, we talked about it on this show. He weaponized it. Fake news was getting thrown at him. You know, Russia sponsored fake news. Fake news is being thrown at him and he took it and he weaponized it and he turned it back on him. And we talked about that on the show because I thought, geez, that was actually a pretty clever move. I've come up with is fake. I guess other people have used it perhaps over the years, but I've never noticed it. Uh, And it's a shame. And they really hurt the country because they take away the spirit of the country. Trump did not invent the term fake news. In fact, the very first time he ever tweeted the term was after the election, all the way in December, his emphasis, of course, is on diluting this term. And you-, you know, it's it's funny, like they just, like they just don't want to give him an inch. They they have to be the owners of that. He can't they can't even let him own that, even though it's something they despise. It's it's a disparaging remark that they think is branding them and hurting their image. And they're right. They play in the game of perception. They would know. And yet they still want to own it. <laughs> So uh, that's MSNBC. And then on the other side, you got Hannity, which basically rolls out the welcome mat for Donald Trump every opportunity he gets. And welcome back to Hannity. And we're broadcasting tonight from the 193rd Special Operations Wing. Are you sure? Because it sounds like you're broadcasting from a white noise machine. That's what it, that's what it sounds like, Hannity. Operations Wing at the Air National Guard base in Middletown, Pennsylvania. Now, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange is saying that he has proof that the Russians did not give him the DNC emails. Well, I asked President Trump if he's willing to listen to what evidence Assange has. I was actually, um, this is kind of remarkable, if you think about it. So Hannity is covering Julian Assange in a credible way. Julian Assange is, that's, no, 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 that's a big no-no. Julian Assange is a, he is a puppet of Putin, and uh, they are a non-state actor, hostile intelligence agency. And we need to put throw him in jail at, at least, if not maybe just outright assassinate Julian Assange. So to give that man a platform on, on, on Fox News, but then do it in an episode in which you are interviewing the president of the United States, which is going to be wildly watched, that's going to fucking piss off some people at the CIA. 
Like that's just that's just you don't do that. You just don't do that. Uh, I wish you did. I think it's wrong. I think it's I think it's the kowtow media. That's one of that's one of the ways that they that they are complicit with propaganda is they only cover negative things about Julian Assange. And Julian Assange now for a couple of weeks, if you don't know, has been saying that he has proof that Russia did not provide the emails. Now, he probably just has proof that it was Seth Rich, but he's not going to just hand that over. But he would trade that for amnesty or some deal like that is what I guess the story goes. Now, uh, that basically would be WikiLeaks revealing a source. But Julian Assange is willing to make that deal to get out of his situation. I guess he's been in that embassy for a while now. I can understand. And in doing so, he's essentially saying, I can guarantee it wasn't Russia. If I can talk to Trump, I'll prove it to him. And um, remarkably, uh, uh, Hannity apparently didn't get the memo and is talking about it. I, uh, what? President Trump, if he's willing to listen to what evidence Assange has. Let's take a look. I have identified... And I've even talked to this audience. I've never seen any one person face as much in terms of attacks as you have. Man, these guys are two peas in a pod. You have a media that's hostile. You have Democrats that are hostile. You have Republicans that are hostile. A lot of deep state that has been leaking on you. And one of the things that has come up almost throughout your whole presidency is this Russia, 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 Russia obsession. Here's my question. Now, um... I thought that was an interesting statement. Deep State is leaking on you. Have you noticed how much the leaks have slowed down since, um, well, since really Priebus was out? Now, uh, there's something just from a production standpoint I have to say about this. Uh, Trump is extremely well lit. He's lit in a way that is flattering to his face flaps. Um, and there is a specific way you light a person. It requires lighting from above and it requires bounce light underneath. Um and they seem to have accomplished it with some just really high-end spotlights and not even using bounce. I mean, it's a really good lighting system without bouncing it around. And uh, the background's really well-framed. The people are out of focus, so there's the American flag there. This is the best Trump has looked, um, I think, since he's been, been president. I don't think he's... I don't, I, I don't think... And this, I think, is a, something that Hannity is doing for him. This is... Hannity understands Trump in a way that other presenters do not. And so this is an example of what Hannity does that goes unspoken. And what it is, is he's making Donald look good. This is a sophisticated operation they're doing, and it gives them a, and it's, it's at a live event. That gives it even a whole other level of challenge. So they managed to pull off one of the best-looking shots for Donald Trump since he became president at a live event. There's a reason for that. That's not accident. Presidency is this Russia, 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 Russia obsession. Here's my question. I interviewed Julian Assange five times. I've talked to him other times. He has said it's not Russia. There was no collusion. They didn't come. The DNC emails did not come from them. Congressman Dana Rohrabacher met with him, and he says he has proof positive evidence that would show the Trump campaign never colluded with Russia. He just wants... Is it in the best interest of the country that if he has that information that he should give it, it seems, I'm guessing here, he wants in return to be left alone. Should the country, okay. deser- does the country deserve to know the truth if he yes, has that? The country has to know the truth. And also, we can't let anybody play around with our voters. And our- so he's basically dodging the question. The country has to know the truth. And then he goes into voting. Voter system. But I have to tell you this. So important. But Russia. See how Trump knows how to wait through the applause like most politicians don't. He immediately pivots. See, he's he's the he is really the television candidate. They say that was a uh, candidate, but uh, 
but. So he does a but to let them know I want to start talking again. This whole thing. Look at this. I'll tell you this. He immediately stops. He shuts his mouth. He even sticks his tongue between his lips to make himself stop talking. Like he's physically forcing his mouth shut. So important. And then he comes up with so important because you know what? I want to continue on. I can't wait anymore. I got to keep going. And then he sort of positions his hands, gets ready to speak. But. And then gives him a butt when he puts his hands out, sort of like, all right, everybody, stop. We're going we're gonna to keep going. He has his hands in kind of like a stop motion. Russia was an excuse used by the Democrats when they lost the election. They said they lost the election. They sat in a room and they said, wow, we look bad. The morning after, in fact, it's been written about, I guess, mm-hmm. in various books or a book. We covered that book here in the show. Um, and I played, I believe, a clip from the audiobook where that is actually what happened. He's not kidding. Uh, so that's uh, Trump looking good there on Hannity, having a great little chat with his pal and uh, helping the ratings over there. Meanwhile, one of the things that NBC was trying to do to amp up the ratings was create a little palace drama and intrigue. According to multiple senior administration officials, U.S. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson nearly resigned this past summer amid increasing policy disputes and clashes with the White House. The tensions came to a head around the time Donald Trump delivered a politicized speech in late July to the Boy Scouts of America, an organization Tillerson was once head of. Days earlier, officials add that Tillerson openly disparaged Trump, calling him a moron after a meeting at the Pentagon with members of the president's national security team. On All right. So this is our best leak uh, since uh, previous. This is it right here. I was just talking about this and it's. It's sort of a stinker. The the NBC report is the one to go to because uh, they were the ones that got, quote unquote, seven officials on the record. Other space related agents. All the president's men in damage control today. The secretary of state and the vice president making a public display of playing nice. With that, uh, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. But new details tonight about an angry showdown in the White House Wednesday over the NBC News report. The president, according to five senior administration officials, furious at his secretary of state. Kelly then abruptly scrapping plans to travel to Las Vegas with the president so he could try to contain his boss's fury and manage the fallout. Vice President Mike Pence also fuming, according to seven senior officials. Seven senior officials. Interesting how they're giving you that exact number, huh? He and Tillerson... Now, I believe it's seven senior officials, two of which they have a direct quote from. <laughs> talked, ...leading to Tillerson's extraordinary news conference. The vice president has never had to persuade me to remain as secretary of state because I have never considered leaving this post. Kelly then summoning Tillerson and their ally, Defense Secretary James Mattis, to the White House, according to three officials, where they huddled to discuss how to go forward. Mm, sorry, it was three. Today, the White House press secretary rejecting the idea that the president has undercut his top diplomat by repeatedly contradicting him. The premise of that question is absolutely ridiculous. The president can't undercut his own cabinet. The president is the leader of the cabinet. But critics say that leaves the secretary of state mortally weakened with foreign leaders. Hasn't it been they're, they're talking about Korea, the, the whole situation where, uh, uh, you know, they're playing uh, hard cop or good cop, bad cop. Boy, my, my brain's still not fully recovered yet. You can tell. <clears throat> and it's been sort of obvious that that's what's happening. Tillerson plays diplomat. Trump plays hardball. Our secretary of state has to be able to go into the Kremlin and meet one on one with Vladimir Putin or. He just actually, he just, Tillerson in an interview just said, I can't talk to Putin. Or go to Beijing, as Secretary Tillerson did last week, and meet with Xi Jinping. Those people uh, are not going to take him seriously if he doesn't appear to have the confidence of the President of the United States. 
Asked to respond tonight, White House officials downplaying Kelly's decision to stay behind, saying he decided not to go to Las Vegas in order to manage day-to-day needs at the White House. Kelly being the chief of staff, not Rex Tillerson. I'm not sure why they kept nailing the fact that Kelly didn't go to Vegas. It's weird. That whole story was weird, and of course, you probably saw Trump's response. In fact, I think sometimes that's how people find out about these things is by Donald Trump responding to them. <laughs> because it's, you know, it's, it was a bullshit story. Oh, someone called the president a moron, then they had a big fight. Brother. Shouldn't NBC be reporting on something else? Like taking your guns. What they say is if you don't make everything available, uh, eventually you're getting to a place where they will take away your guns. And that's where the insanity is. No one is, is uh, uh, questioning your right. Uh, to have a gun. We're not talking about taking guns away from people. Nobody's taking away anybody's gun. They're going to say, if you give them bump stock, it's going to be the slippery slope. I certainly hope so. It's not that I want to take away people's guns. Those common sense measures would in no way infringe on any constitutional right. It's going to be the slippery slope. I certainly hope so. It's not taking away your Second Amendment rights or doing away with guns. To convince people that this isn't about taking their guns away. I certainly hope so. They view it as a norm, and they don't want any of their rights infringed, even if that norm threatens, uh, threatens people's lives. I am a Second Amendment supporter. I do not want to take away any gun rights um, that are held through constitutional protections. I certainly hope so. I uh, I would encourage you to just take a moment if you care and um, Google what the Second Amendment actually says. I hate the way people talk about it. Now, let's uh, let's end on something that's kind of funny. Uh, You're a good friend and uh, your good pal. Anderson Cooper uh, took a few shots at the president's uh, best jokes. Time now for the ridiculous. And tonight we can all sleep well knowing that the president of the United States thinks he is smarter than his secretary of state. He said this to Forbes regarding reports that Rex Tillerson called him a moron. Quote, I think it's fake news, but if he did that, I guess we'll have to compare IQ tests and I can tell you who is going to win. Now, here's the State Department spokesperson (laughs) today. And yes, this is actually happening. It's real life. Apropos of nothing, what's the secretary's IQ? (laughs) It's high. Anybody who can put put things together, you know, and is an engineer. She's not managing really to put a sentence together. She's not really getting that out. Anybody who can put put things together, you know, and is an engineer. You don't have a... It's high. Once again, from the White House briefing room, the press secretary insisted the president did not say what he said. But wait, there's more. She also threw in a free comedy lesson. The president certainly uh, never implied that the Secretary of State was not uh, incredibly intelligent. He made a joke, uh, nothing more than that. Again, uh, he wasn't questioning the Secretary of State's intelligence. He made made a joke. Maybe you guys should uh, get a sense of humor and try it sometime. Wow. Oh, it was a joke. Let, Let me see. Knock, knock. Who's there? IQ test. IQ test who? IQ test I would win. What? Yeah, I don't get it. Maybe the humor is just too subtle and nuanced, and it went right over my head, because as we all know, this president is incredibly witty, constantly making jokes and pithy observations. In fact, we pulled together a highlight reel of all his best jokes. Oh, tumbleweed. Yeah, there aren't any. I ask you, what is more likely, that he was making his first joke in, what, 71 years, or that he was continuing this pattern? They say... Is Donald Trump an intellectual? Trust me, I'm like a smart person. I'm like a smart person. I'm really smart, really, really, really smart. When you're really smart, like really, really, really smart like I am, 
My IQ is much higher than theirs, all right? I have a very good brain. I know words. I have the best words. I have the... But there's no better word than stupid. All right, we're going to leave it there. That is your overtime for 254. I hope you enjoyed it. No, it's 253. What am I saying? I'm thinking about next week. I hope I'll see you back here for 254. Goodbye, everybody.